All right. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. So glad uh, to have you here and thankful that the technology worked it out. Thank you for Eric who came in and got us uh, sorted away. And let's start with a word of prayer. Uh, Dearly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is our strength, that we can look to it, that we can learn it, that we can meditate on it, that we can recite it, and know that these words that you have given us is what we need to know the truth about you, the truth about Jesus, the, the, the desires you have for our lives, and that we can follow after you with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Lord, thank you for this time. Bless this teaching. And our hearts and our spirits be lifted and drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Galatians chapter 1. Um, and this is a longer section, so bear with me. But we're going to read verses 11 through 24. So Galatians chapter 1, 11 through 24. And it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by men. Preached by me is not man's gospel. And, 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 that's, and what he's saying there is he's not, it's not man's gospel, but it's not the gospel that has come from man. Uh, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who was set, who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, I ordered, in order that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to take those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Caiaphas, who was also Peter, Uh, And remained with him 15 days. But when I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, uh, I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicily, Sicilia, not Sicily, um, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that is in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. And, and so, so we have this transition of a, of a story. Paul is, is telling us a little bit about him. And, and as we, when we started the sermon series a couple weeks ago, you know, we talked about Paul. And we talked about who he was. And we referenced on how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrews of Hebrews, a Jew, uh, you know, Jew of Jews, you know he was educated in advance, and so that's that's what we see. And so, going with still this, the mindset that we have to have of the truth of the gospel, and that um, you know almost we have to begin to look at the gospel in its wholeness, and then we begin to take that and use it to compare it to uh, what we've learned and how we practice. And that's what we talked about last week is. 
you know, that that some people have perverted the gospel, even going back to within 10, 15, 20 years of Christ's death and resurrection and ascension, that people began to manipulate and began to change uh, what Jesus had done and what was necessary to be saved, and they began to change it. And so that's why Paul kind of starts out here in verse 11 and 12. It, it, what he's trying to say is that uh, when he was on the road to Damascus and the Lord came to him, he Jesus revealed the truth. And then it says, and then, and then he, you know, we know he was struck blind. Ananias prayed for him. Ananias ministered to him for a few days, um, prayed over him. He was healed. He re- uh, regained his strength. And then before he actually went out or went to Jerusalem, verse 17, it says, nor did I... Um, so verse 16, nor did I consult anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem, but he went into Arabia. And, and we don't fully know what happened here. Um, and nothing's truly, nothing's very clear. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of, um, I won't call it folklore, but but there was definitely a period of time when um, Paul went on like this journey where he separated himself from his people uh, Arabia would have been east of Israel. So so if you uh, imagine a map that, you know, uh, down south you have uh, Jerusalem and Damascus is up here. So it's basically like a drive from, say, Tampa to Atlanta. So Tampa being Jerusalem, Atlanta being Damascus. But Arabia would have been southeast, would have been like going to the Bahamas. So he, he actually went away from the people and he spent time with Jesus and he spent time in prayer and fasting. Uh, he probably spent a lot of time kind of reevaluating who he was. And, and he starts by evaluating his sins. And, and that's why what we see in verse 13 and 14 is that this, the life that Paul lived before, you know, he was, um, you know, in, in some translations, this says in my former ignorance, um, not just in my former life, but in, in the old person who I was. And, and that's the, the sins of who we were and what we used to do. And that's where, where he had to address those things. He had to address the things, like he says in verse 14, that he was zealous for the traditions of my father. So he was truly, what he's saying, he was more interested in, in the ritual and the traditions more than actually pursuing God. Uh, he was, I'm sure he loved the Lord. He, he uh, recited the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy 6. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your strength. There, there was a, there was, it was a prayer of every Jewish person that they would, they would recite these words, the behold, O Israel, our Lord is one. And, and that we should dedicate our all of our mind and all of our strength and all of our heart to, to loving and following after after God. And, and so it was there, but, but somehow through time, traditions trumped, um, you know, actual love and relationship with the Father. And so that's what the idea of the Pharisees were. So the, the Pharisees were a a, a peculiar sect of Jews who separated themselves. They lived differently. They, they, they actually established their communities, their homes, in order that they could obey the, the law of Moses to a T. You know, that, that 
they, they would live a certain distance from the synagogue. So that way on the Sabbath, that when they would walk to synagogue for prayer and scripture reading, that they didn't walk too far. You know, they arranged their house in such a way that uh, it was always clean. It always met the dietary restrictions. And it, and when the Sabbath would come, that it would be easy to to fall into line. You know, they did, they, they lived in certain areas and they created gated communities in a sense where where they kept sinners out so there would have been you know no tax collectors or prostitutes or people who would have been unclean like shepherds or fishermen uh, or, or people who who just didn't fully obey and they they created these micro communities that became very self-righteous and very um you know snobbish if you will and, and but they they throw they they did everything based on tradition and, and that's really what what Jesus came to break, and we're going to touch on that in a minute. But so you you see that Paul first is saying that the God there is a true gospel. It was free from man's interpretation. He received it from Jesus, and then he and that's a big thing for Paul. That's why he makes the previous statement. What we see, verse six through ten, is that there was a there's a truth in the gospel, uh, and it's for all people. It's for the forgiveness of sin. It's for the reconciliation of relationship with, with God. It's about peace so that we're no longer enemies, that we are now friends. It, it allows us to be under his lordship, so under his covering, just like we learned in, in Peter. And, and so these things that our humanness produces, because sometimes it's really hard to just accept the grace of God that that Jesus died to save sinners and we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and and we are saved and out of that salvation comes a change of heart and a change of thinking but once we begin to add those traditions like how you're supposed to say a prayer or what day you're supposed to worship or how you're supposed to worship uh, things that would become extra you have to be baptized in this way or that way. You, you, you know that you come become fundamentalist. Well, everyone ought to read all the Bible in a year, or you have to memorize so much scripture, or you you have to avoid uh, certain people. You know you can't use profanity, and you really shouldn't cuss. But you know you should avoid non-believers, and and you should keep yourself separate, and and you begin to add these layers to the gospel which just isn't true and so with that i'll i'll take us to mark chapter 7 and this is the clearest the lord's words when it comes to to following jesus as we're supposed to do so mark chapter 7 verse 1 it says now when the pharisees gathered to to him some of the scribes who had come from jerusalem they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were un, that were defiled, that is unwashed. Uh, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they had washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they washed. Now, in 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 our understanding of viruses and germs and bacteria it's good to wash your hands this isn't saying that we shouldn't wash our hands and definitely amongst this COVID-19 it's really important to wash our hands and I think 
that 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 Jesus isn't saying that we don't not wash our hands. So he's saying that we should wash our hands, but it's why we wash our hands, right? So when they came from the marketplace, we would wash, and and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So so that's like I was saying. The law, actually in the law of Moses, tells us to wash. It, it tells us to wash before we eat. It tells us that we should wash our things. We should be careful with things that have touched blood. It, it differentiated metal objects, vessels, things made of bronze, copper, silver, or gold, were treated differently than uh, vessels that were treated with earth, so that were made out of clay or mud or brick. And because the porousness of the clay would hold things as opposed to the non-porousness of a bronze or copper vessel wouldn't. But there was these became these certain levels and, and it just got added. I think in the beginning, and many scholars would agree that that understanding scripture can be difficult. And so the wise were set, the elders were set above the people to interpret the law so that there would be a better understanding, you know, and, and wasn't about trying to divide the law or to divide people, but to help us understand. It's the application. How do we live this out? Which is one of the great things that I think we are all trying to do, and it's a big thing on my heart to help all of us do, is how do we read the Word of God, apply it to our lives so that we can live a life that honors God? And then it says, verse 5, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders? That's the, that's, that's the key word there. Not traditions of God, not the commandments of God. The tradition of the elders. But eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy to you of you hypocrites? As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your traditions! Exclamation point. For Moses said, Honor your mother and your father, and whoever refiles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, C-O-R-B-A-N, not my last name. That is given to God. All right, so pause. What, what, what was happening was, if, if my parents uh, lived with me and... Um, I, I happen to become very financially successful. And instead of, per se, giving it to my parents to help them, I actually used it for my own good or I donated it to the church. That, that, that was, it was Corbain. It was, it was given to God. So, so it wasn't really honoring my parents. I, I chose, it was a loophole. So instead of being responsible for them, I, I actually became irresponsible because I wanted others to see how much money I made not to waste it on my parents. And, and it says, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. 
thus making void the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down and many such things you do. So Jesus doesn't go into an exhaustive list of all the traditions. And, and that's this is, it's like breaking bad. There, there are traditions that we should hold fast to. You know, I think a tradition of corporate worship, why we're here gathered right now in Jesus' name is a good tradition. It is something that the Lord has commanded and it's something that we do. Now, as we all know, that we all come from different backgrounds, different denominations and tribes. And this isn't a, um, a, a, a sermon against Roman Catholics or Lutherans or Methodists or Baptists, or Pentecostals or fundamentalists or uh, Amish or Mennonites or uh, Messianics. This is truly for all of us, myself included, to, to look at my traditions that I hold to and go, is this biblical or is it not? Is this something that God has prescribed me to do? Or is this something that man has done to, you know, interpret, but it's ultimately become more about the tradition than it has my relationship with Jesus? And, and if there's ever a time that we should be very careful about what we do and why we do it, should answer that question, does this thing bring me closer to Jesus? Right? So another example. So if we if we turn over to Colossians chapter three, and I love I love the book of Colossians. I'm sure we will I will teach it to you all soon. But in Colossians in the third chapter, in the sixteenth verse, here's a one sentence uh, description of, of worship. And it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So that's literally what I'm doing right now with you. I, I, I'm taking the word of God. It's going to dwell in us richly and it's going to teach us things and it's going to admonish, which means to encourage one another in all wisdom so that we get smarter, that we have better understanding, that we come to more comprehension of the word of God and the will of God. And then he goes with singing psalms. So as we were trying to figure out the audio, I just started singing because I had not sure what else to do with my time. So I just started singing some psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and so it doesn't limit us just to scripture itself to sing, but that which is scriptural, that which is spiritual, that which is God honoring and with thankfulness in our hearts. And we know that uh, an expression of thankfulness is prayer. That So we, 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 we meditate on the word, we sing songs, we encourage one another, and we pray. And so that's the basic construct of, of Christian worship and what Christian worship should look like. And this is whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work hold heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And so that becomes our balance. Is what I'm going to do, does it, am I doing it in the name of the Lord? And does it give thanks to God? And then does it honor God in what I do? And so it, it's kind of tricky. No one likes being called on the carpet for a behavior or a, a, something we think that is good that really isn't. And and we see it here that that's, that God wants us to to know Christ deeply and wholeheartedly. 
we can utilize things and traditions uh, well, how we partake communion, you know, whether we call it the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or, or the the cup and the and, and the fruit of the vine or however we, we label it, you know, that there are certain ways that I do think we should approach it in a level of reverence and 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 fear that because this is an important sacrament is an important thing that we're doing so it shouldn't be do done in um fl- uh, flippantly it shouldn't be done with what's the word i'm looking for um some form of laziness or um we're just not taken seriously but then we do it seriously it, it also then the way we pray I, I get complimented on the way I pray because I, people like the way I pray, which is great. But unfortunately, I think some people don't pray because they're intimidated by the way I pray, which is never what I want to do. I want to model healthy prayer, not discourage people from praying. You know, it's it's like fasting. Fasting is an important spiritual Christian discipline, but some of us can't do it because of health reasons. Some of us do it for the wrong reasons, hoping we're going to get an answer or resolve. And and those are the things that, that this is, that Paul is pointing out in Galatians that he had to go away to break down that um, previously conceived construct of a relationship with Jesus. And, and so then he, he realizes that he was called apart and then he was set apart for a purpose. And then we, we have here as we get into verse um, 18, 19, and 20 is his description of, of several years of how things did and how he spent time in, in personal reflection and spiritual growth. And then he went and met Peter, uh, St. Peter, Caiaphas as, as the rock to, to know in 15 days what all had happened over his life and through his ministry uh he also visited james the lord's brother and and, and learned who was leading the church in jerusalem at that time and, and they came together and learned and grew and then he they saw it was good and they sent him out and then he became a missionary so you know for many of us and i know it's it's in your life stage and season uh you know the idea of going to a third world country or somewhere else is impossible that's okay but is to say how can i be a witness where i am right and, and how how can i show jesus to my roommate to the the nursing home staff to the people around me my family and friends that i can show kindness and love and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness self-control things like that that honor god and then as we we he walks it out is then he uh but in that time, that's what 22, 23, 24 says, that he hadn't come to be physically known in the churches of Judea. Like he hadn't visited, visited them in person. He had only by, by reputation and, and rumor, really, that people were talking about him. And, and that's what they said. He who once persecuted the church is now preaching the faith. He once destroyed and that's the beautiful truth that God will remove our path past and give us a good future, a bright future, a godly future. That even for this season, whether we remain on this earth two more weeks or 10 more years or 20 more years, that 
that, that we are, are living for Jesus. And ultimately out of that comes an, a blessing and an honor that goes to God because of what we're doing. And that's the right way we should look at it, that, that there's this transformation in us. That our sins are forgiven. We, we seek after God's desires and we look for God's future and, and we follow that path. And, and it allows us to break down any barriers that would keep us from that deep, wholehearted relationship with God that he so longs and, and desires. That God, for God to love the whole world. Right, George? Right, so for God to love the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. That, that in our life, through our words and our actions, we can share that love to others. And that is what our Christian life is all about. And that is what we're striving for. That is what we are hoping for. That is what we are um, here for. And I just encourage you with those words and uh, this time together. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. And we we hope that soon uh, we'll be together in person. So let's pray.